It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 23rd, 2018. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Apologies for yesterday. Wasn't able to get an episode done. I was, I was, I got stuck, caught doing something late at night. Wanted to try and record in the morning, got caught doing errands, and then it came to noon, and I'm like, I'm going to bag the podcast, so apologies that there was no episode yesterday. Fortunately, nothing happened in the Magic's universe, not even some stray rumors or anything of, of interest, and we're kind of in the dead period uh, right before the draft. There's plenty to talk about with the draft, of course. We'll be loading up that content over the next few weeks and getting more into detail with some of the prospects starting next week as well on the episode, on the podcast, as well as on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, uh, but a little bit of time to take take your breath, uh, and, and so hopefully uh, hopefully y- y'all didn't miss me. I'm sure you did, but I'm back here now to, to do the, the topic that I actually wanted to hit on yesterday's show, um, and so it, it's still relevant, so we'll hit it today. Uh, it's a little bit more about uh, about management, about about kind of the, the uh, I would say, the philosophical issues facing Magic fans as they look at this new management and, and look to the future of this organization. But before we dive into that, I want to remind everyone that you can check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're like me, you stayed up, you watched the Western Conference Finals Game 4 and saw an absolute thriller, a really stunning victory by the Houston Rockets. A really, really strong game from them. They took that They took that punch from, the, from Stephen Curry and the Golden State Warriors in the third quarter and then came back and won the game with some stellar defense on Golden State. Golden State looked really disorganized and sloppy, which they can do sometimes. If there's a weakness to this Warriors team, it's that they tend to get a little sloppy on occasion. But of course, uh, when they do, they they come back with a vengeance even harder the next time out. So if you want a complete recap of that game, you can get it from the Rockets side over at Locked On Rockets. They do a great job there covering Houston Rockets. If you want it from the Warriors side, you can check out Locked On Warriors. And of course, from the national perspective, Locked On NBA is your podcast. You've subscribed to all those podcasts on iTunes. Getting ready for tomorrow for today's game in the Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, you are in for a treat. But, uh, Locked On Celtics host John Corrales talked to ESPN's Rachel Nichols ahead of the next game. That's the current episode of Locked On Celtics. Be sure to check that out up on iTunes as well. Locked On Celtics. And I say this with all honesty, Lockdown Celtics is one of my favorite of the Lockdown podcasts. I know John, I've known John for a few years, really good guy. I've known Jay for a few years. I don't know if Jay King still does it, but um, I, I, I've known John for a very, very long time. He's, he's a, he's, he is, I, I would consider him one of the original godfathers of, of NBA blogging. Uh, does a really, really great job covering the Celtics. Uh, does a great job hosting the podcast as well. And I, I look forward to listening to his conversation with Rachel Nichols as well. We'll have a guest on, hopefully, but sometime by the end of the week, maybe early next week, talk a little bit more about some philosophical things about rebuilding as well. So I'm excited about that, and that's called the tease. So we'll tease that and leave it for later and get into today's show. 
there, you know, it, obviously there, there's a lot of fluidity right now with the Orlando Magic. Uh, we are we're entering a time period for sure that the team is preparing to rebuild. I think we all sense that this roster that finished the season will not be the roster that starts next season. Nor, I mean, they won 25 games. Why should it be? They've already changed the coach. A sure sign that they're looking to move in a different direction. Management changed the year before. They've cleaned house behind the scenes. And so the question now becomes, what does Orlando do with this clean clean slate? Of course, it's not a complete clean slate. Uh, the Magic's roster is kind of stuck um, in, in, in this weird, weird world. And, and that's, I think, you know, there are some, I've heard some people on, online saying, oh, the Magic should have fully committed to tanking from the very start last year. And it's easy to say that in hindsight, but I think when you recognize that the Magic are kind of stuck with their roster, they, they, with how long they've been out of the playoffs and how difficult it would be to make changes, and it's still difficult to make changes, don't get me wrong. We'll explore that probably tomorrow. But they probably made the right call to sit back and say, okay, let's, let's see what this group can really do. We've got to give this group every chance it can have while maintaining some future flexibility. And that might have meant that they were a 35-win team, but you know maybe that gets you to move a guy or find a team willing to take on some of the contracts that they want to get rid of. Obviously, they didn't win 35 games. They won 25 games, and perception becomes very, very different. So does the plan moving forward. Like I said, I think it's fair to say that the Magic will make a ton of changes in the coming year. If not, over the next two years for sure. Nikola Vucevic is in the final year of his contract. Terrence Ross is in the final year of his contract. That's roughly $22 million of room that could be freed up for next year. Of course, Aaron Gordon's contract is up this year. That's going to eat up a lot of cap room for the summer, pretty much the entire summer. Uh, Evan Fournier, Bismack Biombo still on long-term deals, but the Magic still have to find a way to reconfigure this roster. And it's very clear that that is the direction they want to head. And when you're looking at the core of this team, if you want to call it a core, it's Gordon, it's Isaac, and it's this upcoming draft pick. It's fair to say that after six years of this re- of six years of rebuilding, Magic fans are skeptical, right? And, and, and honestly, I would say rightly skeptical of the direction this team will go. After all, it was six years ago we were sold a rebuild from Rob Hennigan. We were sold a, a, an idea or a vision that never came true. You know, I, I don't think the full story of the Rob Hennigan era has been told. But... I would say that my sense of things, my sense of what Hennigan was trying to do was essentially copy the Oklahoma City City Thunder model, tank for two years, build up some draft assets, and build from there. Make progress to 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 a championship team, championship level team. And don't get it wrong; those were the aspirations. And the Magic actually played the Oklahoma City playbook and the draft perfectly. They got the number two pick, same as Oklahoma City. They got the number four pick, same as Oklahoma City. Unfortunately, Victor Oladipo and Aaron Gordon are not Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And on top of all that, they failed to do the little things that the Thunder did right behind the scenes. The things that I talked about endlessly, it seemed, over the, over the season. The hiring of Scott Brooks proved to be a great culture setter for that team. 
Jacques Vaughn was not. Getting late first round picks, getting early second round picks, drafting in the second round, that was something Oklahoma City did well. Hennigan, I thought, was a good scout. I thought he was decent in the draft, but undoubtedly, they did not value their young assets. Tobias Harris was traded for nothing. Maurice Harkless was traded for nothing. They drafted Devin Marble, who he was okay, but not an NBA player. Kylo Quinn was a nice find, but they let him walk in free agency. They found Dwayne Dedman out of the D-League, let him walk in free agency. Got nothing for him. And then eventually... When ownership forced them to push the chips in before they were ready, and it was very clear they weren't ready. They weren't ready for free agency. That much was very, very clear. Or at least in the free agency that that the Magic had imagined. Then they made a trade that made it too difficult to come back. They spent money that it was too difficult to come back. And that's why the Magic are in the hole they are now. There there was a plan. I, I do think that. I think Hennigan did have a vision for what he wanted. He did favor athletic players, defensive-minded players. He wanted to build a certain type of team. But unfortunately, the coaching wasn't in place to teach it, and he probably invested in the wrong guys. I love Nikola Vucevic. I like him as a person, but and that deal that they signed him to was an absolute steal. But it was probably not the best decision to tie yourself to a center that, you, that does not fit your vision for the team. And, and honestly... That was Rob Hennigan's biggest problem, is he collected a lot of really nice young players, but they did fit together. They didn't come to a, they didn't coalesce or seem to push toward a, a, a cohesive unit. That was five years of that. Five years failed of that. 20 wins, 23 wins, 25 wins, 35 wins, 29 wins. That's the Rob Hennigan era. The worst five-year stretch in Magic history. And so, yes, I think some skepticism is fair and absolutely warranted. You should never just blindly accept what anyone says. You should always question it. You should always challenge it. You should always... And, 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 and I'll sit here and say this. I'm... I, I hope I conveyed this on Twitter and, and in my conversations with, with listeners and with my audience here. You should challenge what I say, too. I'm not, a, I'm not perfect. I'm not an expert. I get things wrong all the time. I picked Rockets in seven, and that that's, still looks okay, but I'm, I'm, not betting, I'm not betting on that anymore. I actually think the Warriors are one in six, so another prediction sure to go wrong. But, you know, I don't mind being challenged. And a lot of our conversations over the course of the season... There are people challenging me and saying, no, you're wrong. This is, this is the right thing to do. And, and I hope, and I, and I probably lost my cool a few times on it, but I hope I, I, hope I, I acknowledge that, that, yes, you are right. You're not wrong. I disagree with that path. I, I think it's a, a different path is, is, better, is better for the long term. But you're not wrong. I understand and, and accept that argument. And I'm willing to be challenged, and I'm willing to say, yeah, no, I, I could be wrong. You know, there's people who, you know, I'll probably write about this in the coming weeks. There's people who are Michael Porter stands. Not, I wouldn't say stands. That's too far. But there are people who are, are saying Magic should draft Michael Porter. Magic should draft Michael Porter. And, 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 and we'll get into this a little bit in the, in the future. But I've kind of been out on Michael Porter because I don't think he fits and I think Aaron Gordon's better. But I can understand why people think Michael Porter is a better option than Aaron Gordon. That's a, that's a story for another day, though. So skepticism is healthy. 
But the one thing that I think is, is, is clear and the one thing that I think Magic fans should do is be willing to give Jeff Weltman and John Hammond the benefit of the doubt. Because far too often, I'm seeing people say, the Magic are going to blow it. The Magic are going to get this wrong. And I know it's the scars of the past six years that's saying that, and not the hope for the future. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This rebuild, as every rebuild is, is a matter of faith. And Magic fans' faith is at an all-time low right now. I, I, I know I can't speak for everyone. I know that a lot of people see what the Sixers did and, and, and see their success and think that's the path. And, and I would honestly say what the Sixers did was, or how the Sixers got so good doing what they did is more about luck and timing than it is about the process that they went through. The process to me is more the culture that Brett Brown set than the draft picks they received. But again, a debate we've had for a very, very long time on this show. So when we got to the lottery last week, there was a sense from a lot of Magic fans that they had to win the lottery, that they they had to get that top pick, and that was the only way and the only salvation out. And as I've said the entire season... If that's your salvation out, you're going to lose a lot. You're going to end up disappointed because the odds are never in your favor to win the lo- win the lottery. Yes, for I, I think it's the third straight year now, the team with the best odds won the lottery. That's never happened before for this many top this many teams with the worst record to win the lottery this many times in a row, or this stretch of time. But as much as people say, "Oh, if the Magic hadn't lost that, hadn't won that last game, they would have the third pick." My argument was always if the Magic had won three more games, they would have had the second pick. So again, it's a lottery. And luck plays a huge role. As as Jeff Waltman said up in Chicago, the lottery is kind of the one time a year where executives and management are in the same boat as the fans. They can't control what's going to happen. But here the Magic are sitting at sixth. And... You know, I'm I'm not seeing as much regret as much and as much frustration that the Magic didn't win the lottery, but certainly I'm seeing a lot of people who are expecting bad things to happen. And again, I think that's six years of 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 a lot of bad decisions coming down. 
And my response to that is Jeff Weltman and John Hammond have not had the opportunity yet to deserve that doubt. Jeff Weltman and John Hammond are very different than Rob Hennigan. They've been in this league for several years. They've both been in championship organizations. They're both with the Detroit Pistons when they won their title. They've both experienced a lot of success in this league. And they're much more respected and established within NBA executive circles than Rob Hennigan was. You know, I I will say this honestly. I, I am a bit more of a Rob Hennigan defender than most people. I think he was a little bit of a victim of circumstance, but and I and, and I'm not to say that that he didn't make mistakes. I think his inflexibility with his rebuild was a huge error on his part. But I will say that and I, I don't have any proof of this, but I would say that I think his age hurt him. And not so much age, his experience hurt him. Hiring a GM that young hurt the team because whether we like to think of it or not and and there are certainly plenty of societal implications in this. Cutting deals, making deals, establishing business relationships is about people. And honestly, I would say, and and about building trust. Because yeah, this is a huge game of poker. Everyone's trying to to, to play their hand and and make the best of of what they're dealt and and do what they got to do. But you tend to trust people a little bit more if you know them. And so if John Hammond and Jeff Weltman have one thing in their pocket, it's that Jeff Weltman's been in this league for 20 years. John Hammond has been in this league for 30 years. That experience, I think, does matter. And that's why I think actually Rob Hennigan will be a GM again 10, 12 years down the road, if not a little bit sooner. So, to me, Weltman and Hammond deserve the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, it, it might have been some cursory, please keep me, I like it here thing from some of the, some, most of the players. But a lot of the players seem to have faith that Weltman and Hammond will turn things around. They seem to believe that the changes that were happening behind the scenes, that, that we don't see every day, that those changes will pay off for this organization. They seem to believe that this is something they still want to be a part of. Maybe it's partly ownership. Maybe it's partly they want to, 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 to fix what went wrong here. I certainly think Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier feel that way. I would, I would imagine Aaron Gordon feels that way. That they want to be the ones that lead this team back. And to them, it seems like Weltman and Hammond are doing what they have to do to get there. We don't see those changes. All we see in the public are the roster moves, are the results on the court. And I think that's something that's still unproven with them because they haven't been able to sink their teeth into this team yet. They called it, quote-unquote, an evaluation year last year. And I I will admit that I suspect that that's more of a cover to say, we really couldn't do much with the roster, so let's see what we got. Let's let contracts roll over here. Let's not kill our books. But these guys deserve 
a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Sure, they've made mistakes already. They didn't use that 25th pick on whoever they wanted to use it on. I don't care if it was Kyle Kuzma or not. A team in the Magic situation cannot give up first-round picks like that. They need to hit on them. They need to hit on second-round picks as well right now. Wesawandu is a nice player. He's got a long way to go. But these guys also did some very nice things. I think the Jonathan Simmons contract should be considered a victory. I think Ken Birch should be considered a victory. There is reason to, to believe in what these guys can do. They got something for Alfred Payton. As much as people hate the return on that. This rebuild, though, is just in its infancy. And, and, and I think what Waltman said is true. It is unfortunately true. He said at one point during his, his press conference to end the season, I know it's been six years. I know that these fans have been through a lot. I've only been here for one. And it hurt me in one year, but we got to do things the right way. We're not going to speed through the process. We're not going to skip steps. And that's the attitude that he's taking entering this this period, entering this rebuild that he is trying to accomplish. It will not be easy for the Magic. Absolutely not. Orlando still has a lot of work to do, and Waltman now will be judged on the decisions he makes, as every GM is. The sixth pick in the draft, no matter who it is, he has to get right. This has to be a core, not maybe not a cornerstone piece, but it's got to be someone that the team can build around a little bit and be part of this team's future for the long term. They're probably still a few years out from making the playoffs. Let's let we can be perf- we can be realistic about that. We're not expecting the Magic to make the 2019 playoffs. Someone asked me this earlier this week. When do you think the Magic can realistically focus on the playoffs? And I said. 2020 at the earliest, if things really speed up with Gordon and Isaac, especially. 2021 more likely. Maybe not even then. But they've got to go through the process. They've got to make sure that they get the right guys in place. Starting with the coach, then the, then the draft pick, and then next year's draft pick. And then second round picks this year. they got to find a way to get off some of their bad contracts if they can. And start clearing up the books. There's a lot of work in front of these guys. But if you don't believe they're capable of doing it, there really isn't evidence for that. Now, if they make missteps along the way, we will be sure to note them. We'll be sure to point them out to say, I don't know if that's the right decision. You could probably argue that that they overplayed their hand a bit with the Alfred Payton trade with some of the reporting that's been out there. But so far right now, within the organization, there appears to be great confidence in what Weltman and Hammond can build. And I would say for fans watching it, they just have to keep the faith. Be skeptical, question, but don't doubt. Not yet at least. Because these guys just don't have the body of evidence to deserve that doubt.
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Of course, the proof will be in the results, and we'll see what results they ultimately deliver. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. And check out our website at LockedOnMagic.com. You can find me on Twitter at OMD. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find every NBA team's podcast by searching Locked On and the team you're looking for on Twitter, on iTunes. Be sure to check out that great interview from John Corrales on Locked On Celtics with ESPN's Rachel Nichols. Should be fantastic. She's a Wildcat alum as well. Uh, I met her at the NCAA tournament last year, uh, and uh, and she seemed pretty awesome. Uh, And also, Northwestern won. Go Cats. Um, That's going to do it for me today. You can, of course, check out the latest on Orlando Magic Daily. Well, any coaching stuff that comes up, we'll be sure to note it. Um, There was a rumor that popped out. It wasn't particularly well-sourced, so I didn't want to mention it. I'm not going to mention it here. If you want to find it, you can find it. you want to ask me about it, you can ask me about it. Um, But there there seems to be some progress going on the coaching front. Um, It does also appear that the Magic will have a few players in for a workout tomorrow. Um, There's a report out in New York that I think Tyus Battle... Uh, will be among the players uh, likely coming in for a workout. He's a late first, early second round prospect. So a guy that the Magic are looking at at the tail, at the beginning at least of the second round. We'll have a, we'll hopefully have a preview of some second round prospects to watch uh, in the coming days over at Orlando Magic Daily. Um, but be sure to check out Orlando Magic Daily as well. Tomorrow I'll talk about what the playoffs have done to the Orlando Magic's draft strategy as they wa- sit and watch how the league has changed. That should be exciting. But for now, that's going to do it for me. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.